0: I just started to get more involved with this company and had these like self-doubts at times, like "Hmm, a career in test prep, that's not what I had dreamed up for myself, but that ended up being a life-changing kind of professional experience that has impacted everything else that I've done since then. I would not have expected that.
1: After dabbling in everything from healthcare to music, Dan Gonzalez found himself at the pinnacle of an industry he had never considered. But then he realized that what industry it was didn't matter. On this encore presentation of our first ever Roads Taken episode, find out the difference between following your passion and following your purpose on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. I'm here today with my friend Dan Gonzalez, and we are going to talk about figuring out the difference between passion and purpose and the lots of different kinds of paths that it takes to get there. So uh, Dan, it's so great to see you. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Thanks, Leslie. Awesome to be here with you. Great to see you. And thanks for, thanks for including me in this.
1: Yeah. So we start the podcast the same way every time with the same two questions, and they are, when we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become?
0: Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> This may be a little embarrassing to say, but I think upon graduating from college, I was maybe the, the least convinced about who I was at, than at any other point in my life you know through high school and into early years of dartmouth i had assumed i was going to be an engineer you know i had planned to go to grad school in engineering and it wasn't until just before senior year that i thought wait that that's narrowing my path not expanding it and that feels pretty scary so i think the maybe the closest i can get to defining who i was is someone who was like anxious about closing things off rather than and and was looking for opportunities to like open up paths and explore maybe things I hadn't thought of in the past. So that's who I was leaving. That didn't really help me get a job.
1: (laughs) Right. So you found yourself in the Boston area right after college? Yes. And what were the various ways that you were finding to expand your horizons, as you said?
0: Um, geez. Uh, Well, I worked at a hospital for a few months. I then uh, moved back to my hometown of Cleveland. And I worked as like an entry level analyst at a healthcare consulting company for a year. Meanwhile, I was like thinking I was going to apply to medical school. I had previous to that gone through a couple of interviews for an investment banking job. Um, So I mean, you can hear like, they're just totally scattered, right? So those initial years after Dartmouth, I was doing a number of different things. I ended up as a high school physics teacher for a couple of years. I worked for a youth programs group as part of a theater company in Boston for a year. So just a bunch of random things. And again, like all of the commitments I was making were really short term. Like I didn't really do anything for more than a year at a time. And I think that's where, you know, that anxiety around like getting getting too narrowed, um, was playing out that's how it was manifesting but you know in terms of like how much money i was making that that wasn't helping me out in terms of building on my salary or or like building any career expertise it was just a bunch of random experiences i wouldn't trade them but um you know that that's what i was doing
1: yeah so was there a moment where you thought okay maybe i'm going to try a different path and maybe narrowing is going to work out for me or was there just like a different kind of epiphany you had
0: you know, yeah, it's a really good question. So um, I think what I was trying to do was figure out what I was passionate about, and of course, you hear this a lot. You know, advice to younger people is find your passion and then pursue that. And I, I was kind of confused because there was nothing that was like screaming out at me, like, "Wow, this is really a passion of mine." So I kind of went back to things. Uh, you know prior in my life that were really engaging for me, and I had loved like doing music in high school, I did music in college, and thought, okay well you know that that clearly must be my passion you know that 's um, something I have done for a long period of time. It makes me happy, so I decided i guess this was two thousand and one to go to music school in Boston at, at Berkeley school, uh, College of Music. So I was there for two years. I was studying songwriting and playing, you know, learning to be a better guitarist and um, thought, okay, like this is my passion. Like I, I, this is, this is what I love. This must be what I'm meant to do. And then, uh, you know, after a couple of years at Berkeley started to like pursue a career in music. And when I got to that point and realized how hard that is, It's kind of a naive thing not to realize prior to doing it, but it's really hard. And uh, it kind of dawned on me like this is maybe not my passion. Like you know, I should be. I had peers that were trying to do the same thing who like lived, breathed, and slept music. Like all they did was play their instrument and write songs and go to open mics until one in the morning to try to get their new song out there. And I just was not motivated to do that stuff, and so I kind of thought I had it, and then no, it wasn't. It like wasn't working for me. So it wasn't until I kind of had this epiphany after that. So I was doing some tutoring, some test prep tutoring, to make money while I was pursuing this music stuff. And in 2005, I landed at this company called Manhattan GMAT. It was a Manhattan-based company that prepares people to take the GMAT exam for business school. It was the most unique experience I'd ever had in a professional setting. The the founder of the company was phenomenal, extremely motivating, engaging, inspiring person. He ran the company in a way that was really, really highly motivating and engaging for the employees. And I just started to get more involved with this company and had these like self-doubts at times like, hmm, a career in test prep. That's not what I had dreamed up for myself, but that ended up being a life-changing kind of professional experience that has impacted everything else that I've done since then. I would not have expected that.
1: So how did that come about? You were trying to make a go of it in the Boston music scene. You Mm -hmm. had these kind of inklings that maybe the passion wasn't really meant to play out in this way for you. How do you get from there to the test prep?
0: So the the test prep company is called Manhattan GMAT. They were looking for an instructor in the Boston area. So I had found this ad on Craigslist and the ad kind of caught my attention because it said $100 per hour instructor for the GMAT. And I had been tutoring for some other companies prior to that. I was making 30, 35 bucks an hour. And I thought, wow, this is too good to be true. I submitted a resume. They called me back five minutes later which you know is just another one of these small signs. Like this, com- this company was really different, right? Um, went through a literally a six-month interview process, five minutes
1: to six months.
0: Not because they were like slow walking, but because that was the level of rigor that they were using to hire their instructors. Yeah. So the whole premise of the company was: we have the best instructors in the business. We pay them four times the industry standard. The instructors at Manhattan GMAT were the highest paid people in the company, more than the CEO, more than the senior leadership. There's this whole really unique philosophy about how to run a business. And so the interview process was, you know, submit a resume, have a phone interview, go down to New York, teach an actual GMAT class in front of the CEO of the company. I got hired. There was a hundred hour training process, but I wasn't officially a part of the team until I completed that training, completed a two-hour final assessment, taught my first class, and then received a certain level of rating from the students that I had taught. So that whole process took like six months. It's really fascinating to have like a front row seat to how this company operated. This is a small boutique test prep company that would later become the, the biggest GMAT prep company in the country, got acquired by Kaplan. And so being a part of this startup and being, you know, one of the I was probably the 20th or 30th employee at the startup. It's a really fascinating ride. And what I discovered, and this was was the whole key for me, is that I was too preoccupied prior to that with kind of what job I would have or what industry I would be in, and not enough kind of focused on... What is the day-to-day work? Who are the people that you work with? And what is the purpose Mm -hmm. of that work, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up in the test prep industry, which I never would have imagined. I ended up as a test prep instructor and then later kind of grew into various roles in the company, which I never would have imagined. Not an industry or a job I would have chosen for myself, but this company was fascinating. Showing up every day and working shoulder to shoulder with people who had the same level of commitment to the organization and the same kind of clarity of purpose. Like really the culture was about creating truly exceptional experiences for the students that that were our customers and becoming the best test prep company for the GMAT in in the country. It was really about that day-to-day work. And that's when I I realized, huh, I should be following that. Like I, I should be like not spending time looking for my passion or looking for the job that I thought I would have, but what is the day-to-day purpose? When I wake up in the morning and I go to this place, what is it motivating for me? Is it is is it driving me to do something bigger than myself? And uh, so it's really kind of an unlikely uh, place to find that. Test prep is really, in many cases, like the backwater of the education industry. But this place was truly remarkable and changed the way that I thought about my career.
1: And I think it changed the way you thought about education, right? Or opportunities in education.
0: Absolutely. So
1: how do you then make the jump from an established company to launching your own entrepreneurial venture?
0: Yeah, so coming out of that role, I decided with my wife, who's a 97 uh, from Dartmouth, uh, Ann Jones. She's also in education. We decided to start a nonprofit called District C. And really the, the premise is you know, through our teaching backgrounds and through, uh, you know, many years working in the education industry, we kind of just, you know, recognize there's this huge gap between the things that we teach our students to know and do in traditional school and what employers actually need them to know and do in the modern workplace. And that gap is growing as artificial intelligence automation, and computers, robots, you, know, you name it, are like quickly changing the labor market. So there's a great quote from the outgoing CEO of IBM, Ginny Romady. She said, I expect artificial intelligence to change 100% of jobs in the next five to mm. 10 years. And what, uh, what this leaves for us humans, the uniquely human job description of the future is, can you work in a diverse team to solve a complex problem, right? The computers and robots will gradually take over more and more of the rote stuff, the procedural stuff that we typically learn how to do in school, right? Following procedures, 10 steps to to finish your chemistry lab, whatever it might be. That that stuff will be taken uh, by automation and artificial intelligence. What will be left for humans? Can you work in a diverse team to solve complex problems, novel problems? So we founded this organization, District C, with a focus on... You know, can we create learning experiences for students that prepare them to do just that? So we uh, started the organization back in early 2017. Uh, We just finished our third year. And um, yeah, we're trying to grow it, trying to get access to more and more students over time.
1: And so tell me a little bit about starting a venture with one's life partner, who I guess you live with, you work and live and breathe, all this stuff. How do you balance that?
0: Yeah, important from the start. I think we both realized it was important from the start that we were clear about like the division of labor. So I think we had a hunch that our like professional tendencies, skills, defaults were complementary and not in conflict. And in that first year, I think we kind of proved that out. So Anne is very much a the way we like to talk about it is she she's a, like, she's a person who likes to be out in the wilderness like hacking through the brush creating a path trying to make sense of the unknown the uncertainty trying to figure things out i'm much more about like taking stuff organizing it cleaning it up polishing it and so any kind of new thing that we start to do as it relates to district c and this this nonprofit that we're running she usually goes out first and comes back with like a rough piece of clay and then throws it over the fence. And then I will like chisel that clay into a sculpture, right? So that's kind of how we orient. That first part gives her energy. The second part gives me energy. Yeah. And so anything that has to do with like operations, organizing something, building a process for something, I will do. She will tend to do more of the like, okay, here's a new opportunity. How do we start thinking about how to pursue that new opportunity? Mm-hmm. So, we're really complementary in that way. Of course, we support each other on on both sides. I think if we were competing for either one of those two spaces, our lives would be a lot more difficult, and we probably would not have made it, you know, the three plus years so far that we've made it.
1: Yeah. But now you're kind of at that crucial point where you're thinking, okay, what kind of growth is the next phase going to lead us to? So there'll be a lot of that brush cutting and seeking new paths. Right. Right. So how do you kind of extract yourself from that really hard thinking phase and actually go have a life that might. Well, do you have a life that isn't this baby that you're putting together?
0: Yeah. You know, I think we're pretty good about there's certain activities that we do outside of the house or outside of work that are. Kind of exclusively non-work activities, and sometimes we have to remind ourselves, okay, let's not. um, We need to talk about this for work purposes, but let's defer that until Monday. So yeah, we're pretty good about separating. It's it's not always easy, but especially when you're trying to build this organization that requires a lot more attention than maybe a typical nine to five job. Because things go wrong and things don't go as expected and things are uncertain. And so it requires a lot of time and thinking and figuring things out. But we wouldn't do it if we didn't love it. So it's been a, a labor of love for sure.
1: That's awesome. So now when you look at where you are and what you've achieved in building this organization and thinking about what potential next steps are, are you looking at this as the culmination of having found that narrow niche that really feels good for you or is it just emblematic of another thing in the broadening life of Dan Gonzalez?
0: Yeah. Thanks for circling back to this because this was a point I wanted to to come back to. So the, the test prep experience at Manhattan GMAT, I think really, again, made me realize that what I care most about and the things that I want to be involved with are things where there is shared purpose and shared commitment to like really high quality execution, high quality work, high quality thinking. And the fact that back then it was, it happened to be in test prep, in the test prep industry. Like to me, I didn't care about the test or the test questions, or yeah, of course I cared how our customers did and our students did, but it was less about the content and more about the pursuit. And I think in this case for district C, you know, what really drives me Of course, I believe deeply in solving this problem of preparing the next generation of talent. But like the real passion that I have for this is I want to wake up every day and work with others to build something that's truly exceptional. And, you know, whether it is in this kind of realm of preparing next generation of talent or starting a school or selling widgets or whatever it is, like what really drives me is how do we build An exceptional organization that will sustain itself, that will be motivating and inspiring for the people that work there, be motivating and inspiring for the stakeholders who uh, intersect with the organization. It's it's that pursuit, and I think uh, again, like that came from this learning back then. It's not about the job or the industry; it's about the purpose that comes from like working on building a really inspiring organization. And it's a ton of work left to kind of get there, but that's what kind of drives me on a day-to-day basis. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh,
1: It makes perfect sense. And I'm just sitting here wondering, had you been the 22-year-old leaving college and just happened to find yourself in a place where the mission was important and people were showing shared commitment for excellence and all those things, would that have been enough to be like, oh, aha, this is the kind of thing I need to be doing? Or did you need all of those disparate experiences that were like, fine, but not checking it off to be bold over the head when you actually found it?
0: I don't think I was ready at that age or at that time to, um, to kind of make that realization. Obviously, I wasn't because I didn't make it. But I think what I would kind of tell my younger self now is, again, focus, focus less on the job and the industry and focus more on the work. And I think there's a big difference between the job and the work. The work I think of as the day-to-day. Like, you know, what is your level of engagement, motivation, um, et cetera, for doing something uh, meaningful. And I think at that time I was just too focused on like, okay, I've gone to school. I need to like create some return on that investment. It's about money. It's about job. It's about, you know, the four or five categories of work that were like known to me at the time. Like, okay, everyone seems to be either going to med school or going to investment banking or consulting, you know, and, so it was very job and like industry focused and not enough like purpose focused or work focused. And, and then think-
1: there's that muddying concept of like passion, like we should all find our passion and then go right. after it. And sometimes if it isn't, intrinsically linked to those, you know, core things of I just need to be excellent. You know, you were finding that you were good, but you didn't have that drive to be excellent in this passion. It was just something yeah. that fed you and fed your soul in, in a certain way. Um, I think we get sold that kind of bum rap of like passion is all, end all and be all for some people that they're really lucky and they get the, the whole package, but yeah, I think, yeah,
0: totally. I totally agree. And I think, uh, course, you and I both know a lot of people who have gone into those fields that I mentioned and had a pat and have had a clear passion for them. You know, my good friends is a doctor and is, is passionate about it and, and knew that passion from before he entered college, right? And I was always envious of that in people, right? I wanted mm-hmm. to to like have that that passion for a job or for a career path and just never felt it, Um So I guess if I wish back then I would have just invested in the work, because I do think you can find the purpose or the drive for like doing something meaningful and excellent in any job that you have. Right. So it's kind of job or industry agnostic. That purpose comes from you not from the job or from the industry. And so as I think about my early jobs, I was just kind of like treading water and trying to get to the next thing that I hoped would like like fulfill me and give me that passion. But I wish I would have just slowed down, taken the time to figure out, okay, how do I find the purpose that I need in this job, right? And I just wasn't, I don't think I was in a place to recognize that that was, what i needed to be doing if that makes sense
1: well i appreciate your sharing your path with us i wish you and ann and district c um, great success in the future or um, have it evolve in a way that puts you on a path for something else great and mission driven and um, soul affirming for you it's just really great to reconnect yeah
0: Yeah, thanks leslie again appreciate you inviting me good luck with this series it's uh, a really cool idea thanks for doing it
1: that was dan gonzalez Co-founder of District C, a not-for-profit that empowers schools and teachers to teach high school students how to collaborate with diverse peers to solve real-world business problems. Find out more about their process at District C, the letter C. Co. And find me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, at roadstakenshow.com or wherever you find your podcasts. With another friend each week on another episode of Roads Taken.